0: Today's NLORM podcast airs at an exciting moment. We're about to initiate treatment of four new patients with experimental ASOs, and before the end of the year, we expect that number to grow as, uh, to as many as eight patients. To do this in a few months is is truly a great achievement. The work required to support initiating treatment with an experimental ASO is enormously complex, and an IND document for an in patient is more than 1,000 patients. And next year, we expect the number of new INDs, and of course that means new patients treated, uh, to grow quite substantially. As we look to a longer-term future, we've put, in, uh, put the infrastructure in place to treat thousands of patients. While the discovery and development of an optimal personalized ASO is extremely challenging, and we bring decades of experience and AI-informed automation to that process, the challenges do not end there. We then have to manufacture the ASO and assure that it is pure. Finally, the ASO must be put into vials under sterile conditions so that it can be administered to our patients. That is where uh, our partner Argonaut comes in. Argonaut performs the highly regulated process called sterile fills. We are fortunate to have such a strong partner uh, and appreciate Argonaut's in-kind contributions that reduce the cost of this step meaningfully. We're also pleased to welcome Argonaut as a sponsor of the NLORM podcast series. Many of our partners and other organizations are now becoming sponsors, and we welcome sponsors, and if interested in sponsoring our, our webcast, please contact us at podcast at nlorum.org. Hello and welcome to the nlorum podcast series, a series that focuses exclusively on patients now referred to as having nanorare mutations. I'm Stan Crook, and I'm the founder, chairman, and CEO of NLORM. If it sounds impossible to you that any drug discovery technology could discover and develop a new medicine for a specific patient in 12 to 15 months, then provide that medicine for freedom for life. Uh, you can imagine my re- reaction more than four years ago when I first realized that it might be possible for the technology that was created under my leadership to do exactly that. And it certainly is possible. And we've already proven that it can be done. And we've treated now 14 patients by doing that. Given that I've already provided a basic framework to understand how drugs work and come to be, and discuss the basics of ASO technology. In this podcast, I will focus on a more detailed, step-by-step explanation of how we actually make the impossible possible at Enlarm. If you listen to any of our podcasts or any of my presentations, you've heard me argue that the only organization that is fully capable of discovering the best personalized ASO for a single patient efficiently and expeditiously is lorem. I would imagine that you've wondered why I take that position. Of course, the reason is we inherit and benefit from more than three decades of pioneering effort to create ASO technology. The first step in creating an optimal ASO for a patient is to identify the best sites in the target RNA that needs to be altered for that particular patient. Since RNAs are many thousands of nucleotides long, we evaluate ASOs designed to bind to hundreds to thousands of sites. And we call that process ASO site screening. So let's begin there. The first question is, why do we have to screen hundreds to thousands of sites in an RNA to find an optimal site to bind the ASO? Well, there are several very good reasons. RNAs are very large, and they have very complex three-dimensional structures. The ideal site for an ASO to bind to a target RNA is an area in that RNA that is basically unstructured. RNAs are so complex that it's not possible to predict the structure of RNAs in cells. The problem is even greater because RNAs don't exist as RNAs cells. They have many proteins associated with them and that are bound, and they form structures called ribonucleoproteins, or RNPs. Therefore, we screen not the RNA, but the target RNA in a very complex three-dimensional structure comprised of RNA and proteins that we call RNP. In fact, the same RNA can have different structures at different times and be bound by different proteins. So screening is essential. Now, over the last three decades, we've screened many millions of ASOs of a wide range of chemistries and designs. We've screened those ASOs in scores of cell lines, including human-derived cell lines. And then those efforts have been followed up in thousands of studies in various animal species and of course, in tens of thousands of patients. All those data have been integrated into enormous databases, coupled to machine learning, and that then has created an ever more sophisticated algorithm that helps us rapidly design the right sorts of ASOs and avoid problem types of of ASOs. Further, ASO screening is highly automated, so we can screen hundreds to thousands of sites in an RNA very rapidly, very inexpensively. And we have proven over and over again that the more sites screened, the better the performance of the ASO. Therefore, this uniquely capable approach that is accessible at end lorem is critical to enhancing the potential for success in treating nanorare patients. But if we had only screened ASOs, and not invested broadly and consistently in understanding the molecular mechanisms that explain the observations that we make during screening and in treatment, it is unlikely that RNA-targeted drug discovery technology would exist today. And certainly, it would not be capable of discovering and developing and providing personalized experimental ASOs to patients with nanorare diseases for free for life. The leverage to advance the technology and steadily improve the performance of ASOs derives from the seamless integration of ASO medicinal chemistry with ever deeper understanding of molecular mechanisms by which ASOs produce their effects, coupled to massively parallel screening and AI analytics with all that has been learned in animals and in man over these decades. This cycle of innovation results in consistent feedback from which we learn consistently. And that process has been in play for more than three decades and is ever more productive. And that is how we come to be where we are and how we come to be able to do what we're doing. To understand the final element that makes it possible to meet the needs of many uh, patients with nanorare diseases, one must understand that within a chemical class, all the ASOs of that chemical class are very similar, and they behave very similarly because they only differ in their genetic zip code or sequence. Consequently, we can predict the behavior of an ASO that we just discovered. Based on the behaviors of hundreds of ASOs of the same chemical class that preceded it. This means that before we even begin developing a personalized ASO for a patient, we have a very good idea of the right dose to use, the right route of administration, and how often to administer the ASO. Finally, because we've constructed databases that summarize all the safety observations from all controlled clinical trials of each of the chemical classes that we use at NLORM, we can predict the possible side effects to watch for. Given that the safety databases have been published, treating physicians and patients or parents can inform themselves as well. And the FDA has access to these databases as needed, as desired, also. This then means... That we can be confident that we're exposing in-law patients only to prudent risks and that we can keep our patients and parents and regulators fully informed the choice we have made in to focus solely on rna targets in liver and kidney after systemic dosing subcutaneously the eye after direct injection in the eye, the CNS after injection of the ASO into spinal fluid, and the lung after aerosolized administration assures that low doses will be needed and that we really understand what we're doing, further enhancing the potential for benefit and reducing risk for our patients. Now, what happens when an application is submitted? Well, What actually happens then is the application is submitted, and prior to the application being submitted, a great deal of work has taken place. The patient has been identified as potentially having a nanorare mutation and referred to a tertiary care center to be genetically and phenotypically characterized. This work identifies the mutation, characterizes the type of mutation. For example, is it a null mutation or a gain of toxic function or a slicing mutation, et cetera? And the function of the gene product is defined. The other major effort is to define the phenotype and identify the principal manifestations of the mutation that make the patient sick. Numerous tertiary care centers have submitted applications, and on some occasions at in more, we have to do additional work, including added genomic sequencing, characterization of the mutation, and sometimes we need to do added studies to understand fully the, what the function of the gene is as we gain and personalized medicine centers gain experience i 'm very optimistic that the process will become even more efficient, and so we have less catch-up work to do once we have an application. Now, all that precedes the application coming to us. and the first step in processing the application is, of course, to assure the patient identity is protected. Then we must do a search of the literature to learn more about the gene, the prevalence of the mutation, and the nature of the mutation and the ASO strategy to employ. Once we have all of that necessary information put together, we prepare a detailed presentation with a recommendation to be presented to our Access to Treatment Committee. Remember that the Access to Treatment Committee is comprised of Of a broad range of experts in various diseases, genetics, bioethics, as well as clinical trials, and of course, Anisense technology. And so we lean on that group to help us in these complex decisions. If the committee and the executive committee of NLORM agree, then the patient can be treated if that patient can potentially be helped with an ASO. This process that assures that we know what we're treating, why we're treating it, and that it will be of value to the patient if we succeed, I think is vital. And this process is, I think, unique to Enlorn. Now, we next then work with the investigator to define treatment goals and clinical measures to be used. And then we ask that the investigator and patient or parent perform a detailed natural history study during the year or year and a half that it takes to discover and develop the ASO for that patient. That then allows us to compare on treatment to uh, what was happening to the patient immediately before treatment begins. The screening process that I've discussed uh, is then initiated once we have clearly gotten uh, an agreement that the patient should be treated. Out of the process of screening, we typically have multiple candidate ASOs that undergo further testing in cells and animals. When those studies are completed, we assemble all the data and select the best looking ASO to manufacture. The special FDA guidance for N of 1 patients allows us to perform a single three month toxicology study in rodents. If the results of that study are satisfactory, Then the ASO is transferred to our partner Argonaut and the ASO is deposited in sterile vials that will be used to treat the patient. During this process, then we file the necessary documents with the FDA to permit initiation of experimental treatment. And of course, those documents are also involved with the tertiary care center that it will be treating the patient. Of course, from the patient's perspective, the first dose, of an experimental ASO is the beginning. But getting there requires a great deal of work and could not be done well without all of the knowledge and experience that we've gained over these three plus decades. During treatment, our task is to evaluate the performance of the ASO and assure uh, that all of the stakeholders learn as much from the treatment of this patient as we can I think we owe that to every one of these patients. And the opportunities to learn are just extraordinary. As you can imagine, then, to complete all this complex, experimental, scientific work in 12 to 15 months is extremely challenging. If we encounter any problem, such as the ASO we select, having issues in the toxicology study, delays can happen. On occasion, we may even be unable to identify a personalized ASO that we feel is satisfactory for a patient. For these reasons, we cannot promise that we will be successful or that we will achieve our goal to treat the patient within 15 months or so. So, what we can do and can promise is that we will do everything possible to meet the needs of our patients. Uh, We will do everything possible to meet the needs of every single one of our patients. And that is the only promise
1: that we can make. And Lorem is a nonprofit committed to discovering and providing personalized experimental treatments for free, for life, to patients with genetic diseases that affect one to 30 patients worldwide referred to by Enlorum as nano-rare. Many of these patients progress and die without ever achieving a diagnosis. This is where Enlorum comes in. They do the impossible by providing hope and for those that they can help, free lifetime treatment. For more information about Enlorum or today's episode, visit Enlorem.org. Any questions can be sent into podcast at nlorum.org. Search Nlorum on Twitter, instagram youtube linkedin and facebook to connect with us please rate and review the podcast on apple spotify or wherever you listen this truly helps us climb the charts and allows others to find the show this podcast is hosted by dr stan crook our videographer is john magnuson of mighty one productions our producers are john magnuson and kira Denine of dna today thank you for listening